Hey everybody, it's Dimpna here. I'm here to join you in the Intelligent Property Masterclass. Now, as you can see, my background is a little bit different from what you're used to. And that's because I'm actually traveling at the moment. I'll be traveling for a good good amount of time, a number of months here. So I'm not in my studio, so the, uh, the presentation might be a little bit more clunky than it normally is. Look, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to make you a more intelligent property investor, particularly here in Australia. You see, the more you know about everything then, uh, and what's happening in the economy and things like that, the better decisions you're going to make and ultimately the, uh, the more money you're going to make out of those decisions because that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why we're property investors. So let's get into the masterclass. Now, what are we going to be covering today? Let me just share my screen here and we'll get into uh, to what we're actually going to be covering. So first up, as you can see, uh, some of the things that we're going to be covering are the number as to why the number of unemployed have fallen to record lows. We're going to be looking at why Australian businesses are the most bullish they've been in years and how we ended up on with the fourth hottest property market in the OECD. That's going to be interesting. Why negative gearing is on the decline and which markets have grown 12%, not in the last year, but in the last 12, in the last three months. Isn't that incredible? And some markets are even doing better than that. And I'll share that with you as well. So let's start with the Australian property market. Where are we at with that? Well, there was an article that was uh, published in the Financial Review, and it talked about that Aussie house prices rise at fourth uh, fastest rate in the OECD over the last 20 years. Now, they put this down to planning and zoning restrictions. Um, no, no, uh, no um, variance there, I can tell you. And this is because the local governments have uh, got so many restrictions at a council level, and then we've got state government restrictions, and then we've got federal government restrictions. So what this has meant is that, uh, you know, we've ended up on the top four. You can see there that New Zealand is number one as far as the fastest growing uh, from a, a prices and, and rents, the percentage change. And also then we've got followed by Canada, then we've got uh, the uh, Sweden, and then we've got Australia. Below us, we have the UK, Switzerland, Denmark, US, Netherlands, and poor old Japan, it's actually gone backwards. But the other thing that this chart shows is the fact that Australia is second highest from a mortgage debt. Now this was at the end of last year as a percentage of our GDP. So we're carrying fairly high levels of debt, um, even though our prices are really, really soaring. And uh, you can see in the chart down the bottom where we sit on the world stage with that from that perspective. So if you if you can't see my if you're not seeing my charts, if you're listening to me on a podcast, if you're uh, you know either on Spotify or on iTunes, then I really super encourage you at some point either now or uh, you know later on go to my website iloverealestate.tv because we broadcast this not only on my website but also on my YouTube channel, which is of the same name, I Love Real Estate. And because I really want you to see my charts because I show you a lot of economic data when I do these recordings and I think it's really, really valuable for you to, uh, to get across so that you can start to make those profitable decisions. So the article went on to talk about why these restrictions are, are affecting things. And one of the things that came out is that the restrictive state and local government regulations 
are exacerbating the price pressures. The reason for this is making it so hard on builders to be able to, and investors and developers, to be able to get properties out onto the market. Now, this is something that I've, I've been talking about for years. And one of the, the, uh, the things to really come out of this is the fact that you know, it's not just our um, our fees and charges and all of those sort of things, but it's also our um, you know our the way that we we um, insist on things being done. Now, look, I'm all for safety. Don't get me wrong, but some of the things that we have to do from a building perspective perspective are off the charts. And the thing is, every time something new is brought on, we tend to regulate it and then we have a council fee attached to it. I was talking to someone the other day about, uh, you know, the regulations even in the mining industry and particularly in the mining industry, but it's got to a ridiculous stage where everything we have to do, there's a piece of paper to fill out and that piece of paper will take you half an hour and then you've got to submit the piece of paper and then somebody else has got to read the piece of paper and it's going to cost you money to submit the piece of paper and then, you know, you've got under regulations to how quickly they can get back to you and whatever else. It's just got out of hand. And this whole regulation of, um, you know, every time something happens, we, we seem to over-regulate around it. Well, nobody ever unregulates. Whatever happens to getting rid of some of the stupid laws that we have, some of the some of the things where we, we're just totally over-regulated, we never seem to go back the other way. So, you know, over the last hundred years, we've just regulated and regulated and regulated, got more and more and more expensive. So what that means is that we've cut out a lot of the, um, the ease with which we can develop, the ease with which we can get houses out of the ground, because we ended COVID in a massive... Um, undersupply and over demand and nothing's changed. We are still massively undersupplied. And these are the things that are pushing up our pricing because what we're seeing is that we can't actually get the housing out of the ground quick enough uh, in order to cope with the demand that's there. And this has been the case for a long time. Australia has grown on our immigration. Now, whilst we're not, we don't have any immigration at the moment, I can tell you what, when they open up those floodgates, it's going to pour in. And when it starts pouring in, it's going to exacerbate what were the situation that we're already in with pricing and housing and the total lack of supply. So I plead with the regulators, particularly council level and state level, to lift some of the restrictions that they actually have. There's a lot of excess in government and there's a lot of wasted money. And if, you know, if we could kind of get on top of that, then we might be able to ease some of the, the fees and levies to actually make housing more affordable. Uh, I know with interest rates where they are right now, we are the most affordable we have been in a long time, back 40 years in fact. But the reality is that that's not enough um, because interest rates will go up. And when interest rates go up, then we're going to have a, um, you know, we, we, it, it's, it's going to get back to a stage where housing is going to get more and more unaffordable. So I'll just go back to my screen here for a minute. So um, the, uh, the Financial Review article, as you can see there, went on to talk about uh, these fees and charges and how our growing population um, is uh, it's really putting putting the supply chain at risk while ever we have the inability to be able to get housing out of the ground quickly. 
Let's look at pricing. Now, in Australia, the dwelling prices, you can see there, if we go from the beginning of, G, of um, I keep saying GFC, beginning of COVID there at March, you can see how house prices have responded, or dwelling prices, which includes units, have responded uh, since the beginning of COVID. Now, uh, Adelaide hasn't moved a cracker, barely went down at all, and you can see where their pricing is compared to where they were uh, pre-COVID. Even Melbourne has recovered. So Melbourne is now slightly above where it was pre-COVID, and that's with all its lockdowns and everything else included. So Melbourne really got hit the hardest. Um, Sydney was probably the next, and it's screaming right now. It is soaring. We have to start to have a look at these charts here. Now, this has divided the housing industry into three categories, the low, the mid, and the high. The dark blue is the high. Now, look at the first one there. That is Sydney. So this is the last three months. Sydney house prices, dwelling prices, I should say, because it includes units, have risen by 12%. Um, now, that's at the high end of the market, because what typically happens, particularly in places like Sydney, where there's a fair amount of wealth, uh, we have the house prices have uh, the higher end of the market. When it goes up, it really goes up. But when it falls, it really falls. So massive volatility at the top end of the market when you've got uh, places like Sydney, where you've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of wealth. Now, Melbourne is kind of following suit, but it's not quite where Sydney is because it's had so much to recover from. Brisbane, the same kind of story, not that it's had anything to recover from, it's just a slower market. Adelaide, as you can see there. And then you've got the reverse happening in places like Hobart and Darwin. Why is the bottom end of the market actually uh, increasing more than the top end of the market? And this comes down to demographics. The reason is that the majority of the population is not at the uh, the wealthier end of the scale. The majority of the population is at the lower end of the scale from a wealth perspective. So it's the more affordable housing are the ones that are really being pushed up in those areas. Da uh, Perth is a little bit of a, um, a misnomer there because it's a little bit more even across the board. Um, and that's what, that's what those uh, results are actually showing there as well. And again, ACT is following Sydney and Melbourne because there's a lot of wealth there. There's a lot of wealth at the, at the top end of town and, uh, and that's reflected in those, those better, well, not saying better housing, but the, the more expensive housing, the more expensive locations. Now, something that's actually come out in, in some data recently, and well, not really recently, this came out by the ATO at the end of uh, 2019, but the recent data, I'm sorry, I don't have a chart for it, but the recent data shows that this trend has continued. And that is that negative gearing landlords are getting lesser and lesser. So it's put out by the ATO. The ATO is showing that um, there is a less and less negative gearing on properties being presented on their tax returns. Now, that's mainly due to the fact that we have low interest rates. Uh, now, that's not going to continue forever, but low interest rates and roaring rents are making a lot of the previously negatively geared investment properties now positively geared. Um, but a lot of them are just on the, the teetering border there where a bit of an interest rate hike could actually swing it the other way. Uh, and again, this just shows the uh, the average home lending rates continuing to decline, uh, and consequently, that means that the uh, the yields on those properties are actually getting better. 
And this is the other side of it, of course, is that it, the um, rents are going up. And you can see there in the month of May, this is incredible, in the month of May across the country, rents rose by 5.6%. So that's a that's a pretty big haul, and even if you look at the um, the year to year to date, so that's May 2020 through to May 2021, you can see there the percentage increase in rental returns, and that's right across the board, including the regional areas. So it's really only um, Melbourne where rents have gone down. Now I've spoken about this in previous. Um, previous podcasts and the reason for that is because there is a massive oversupply of units apartments in Melbourne and uh, that's because there's a uh, greater supply that is actually bringing rents down now that is not the case for housing it is the case for uh, for rental uh, of uh, of units. So something to watch there, um, and uh, it will swing. It will swing as the take up uh, in the apartment market. Uh, you know, we, we start to get some demand in that area, but it really won't take hold until we start to get a, an increase in um, in migration, because that's that's typically what takes up that a lot of that market anyway. So, uh, you know, watch that space there in, in Melbourne. I'm particularly bullish on housing in Melbourne, but not so much on the, uh, the units, not yet anyway. I'm not never really bullish on units. This, is a, this chart here shows you that the investors are back with a vengeance. So what we see here is that uh, in the last three months ending April, uh, there's been a lot more investor activity than there has been owner occupier activity. And that's including the first homeowners. So this has been a big swing around from the last quarter that we had because of obviously the last quarter was very much buoyed by uh, the builder's boost. So everyone was jumping on there and trying to get into their first home through the builder's boost. The other thing when we talk about rents going up, well, the other side of that coin, of course, is vacancies and vacancies are very, very low. Now you can see there Sydney and Melbourne are actually the highest at 2.9 for Sydney and uh, 3.7 for Melbourne. All the rest, oh, Brisbane's 1.3, all the rest are under, under 1%. And uh, you, know, you can see Darwin there at 0.4%. Hobart at 0.5%. Uh, and that also is, is pushing that lower end of the market from an affordability perspective as to why those figures were like they were before that I showed you with, uh, with the house prices in, in those areas. So, you know, it, it's dropping, um, it's come down from where it was in March. So from March to May, you can see Sydney's dropped from 4% to 2.9%. Um, Melbourne's gone up, and again, that's because there's oversupply in apartments, and all the rest have really, really uh, come down considerably. So the average has gone from 2.5 down to 1.8. Now, this chart shows you um, seasonally adjusted, basically, the, um, the private new home sales. And what we're seeing here is that there isn't really, um, you know, we're not producing enough. That, that's what it says. We're not producing enough. Consequently, there is upward pressure on pricing. And that's what we're seeing right through the market, right around the place. What I feel we're doing is following in the footsteps of New Zealand. And you can see there on a year-on-year -year basis, so from, um, from uh, 12 months ago, New Zealand has house prices have grown by 32%. That's pretty incredible. Um, but Australia is heading in the same direction. We follow New Zealand 
at least to a six-month lag for Sydney and some of the other cities a little bit more than that. And see, those that hike, that 32%, is actually even after New Zealand government put into place a few restrictions around negative gearing and, uh, and capital gains tax. So that's despite um, increased regulation that the property prices have gone up there. Let's have a look at a global wrap. But look, before I get into this, I really super encourage you guys to to uh, step up to the market. So what I've decided to do is to offer you a free 60 minute um, advisory session. Now I'm calling them uh, break real estate breakthrough sessions. They're with one of my advisors. There are only a few appointments available for you. Uh, so you can jump on there. Uh, all the links are, links are here, but you can basically go to I love real estate forward slash questions forward slash if you're listening to this and you don't have a uh, if you don't have the the links below you, then jump on there. I love real estate dot tv forward slash questions forward slash and you can lock in for a free one hour consultation with one of my advisors and what they're going to be doing is talking about you they're going to be talking about your goals and they're going to be talking about you know uh, where you want to go and some of the things that you you want to achieve and and really talk you through how we can help you in that now we don't sell real estate i think it's fundamentally wrong for me to teach you how to do things and then go oh look you just happen to have one of those but we will help you to achieve your goals. So these advisory appointments are free and I really super encourage you to, to lock in one of those hour long appointments because they, I know it's gonna help you enormously to achieve some major goals over the next three to five years. We've got an incredible time ahead of us, but we need to be very smart about it because there's a lot of rubbish out there and making a mistake at this particular time in this stage of the market can have dire effects for you. So, but making a right decision on the other side uh, can really uh, can really help you achieve your goals and possibly replace your income and have a massive uh, portfolio by the time the market actually does go into correction. Now, I'm predicting that to be around about the mid twenties, uh, but you've got to get on your bike because there's a long way between here and there, and there's a lot of information to take in and take advantage of. So let's get back to these uh, these slides here. So one of the things that we're, um, we uh, need to consider is the world market as well. Now, this is the uh, PMI index, which is being put out by JP Morgan. What is the PMI index? It's, it's the Purchasing uh, Managers Index. And what it, it does, it analyzes the prevailing direction of the economic trends in manufacturing and the servicing sector, because that's what makes our economy go round. And you can see in this chart here how deep uh, the, uh, the, the COVID recession really cut into us, especially when you consider GFC. We even eclipsed what happened in GFC. Um, and uh, But look how quickly we've responded compared to GFC. So it was a quick dip and we're back out of it very quickly. Now you can see there where that index is at and we're back up to the buoyant times that we saw through the early 2000s and how you know, that period of time really soared from a property perspective as well as an economic perspective. So we're back into that kind of region again. 
Now that's obviously then causing a little bit of angst around inflation, because as we uh, as we purchase more and we you know we start to increase the services sector and the manufacturing sector, the side effect of that is our uh, inflation. And whilst it's not happening here in Australia, uh, there's a little bit of concern about it with uh, with what's going on in America. Um, and you can see there that that jump up you can see there in uh, in May. But when you really look at it, it's not that concerning. And the reason for that is most of that came into play as a result of buying cars and trucks and restocking their their uh, capital equipment across the manufacturing industry in the US. Now they're not going to do that month after month after month. Um, so we've had a bit of a surge in the US. But this chart is really pretty telling because what it shows is that we are nowhere near, uh, inflation in, in the US is nowhere near the, um, you know, the where it has been even, uh, you know, pre-COVID. So we're not even up to where we were through the uh, 2019 or back earlier than that either. So we've still got a long way to go. It's not something to be concerned about and uh, it's not something that's being reflected into Australia. We're a much more uh, slower moving market than this. Let's have a look at the Australian economy while we're talking about it. Well, the first thing is the good news is unemployment. Unemployment is down. And uh, you can see there we've gone again for another month. We've gone down from 5.5% to 5.1%. So we're nearly cracking that four in front, which is obviously where the Treasurer and the government uh, is, is wanting it to go. And the Reserve Bank of Australia, I mean, they're really backing this push. They're keeping the, the economy running very hot. And they've indicated that they are going to continue to do that. Uh, until the unemployment rate is down into the low fours. So that's that's pretty good. As far as jobs are concerned, in one month, look at this, this is huge. In the month of May, we put on an extra 115,000 new jobs. And most of them were in a full-time basis. So that's really good news because what it means is there's more money in people's pockets. There's more money to for, for paying rent and living and going to restaurants and all of those things to keep more people employed and you know that what that means is that um, unemployment is coming down there are more vacancies there are more job vacancy ads being put out there but um, unemployment is definitely coming down one of the things that I find quite encouraging is the hospitality sector so even though we've got lockdowns happening down in Victoria it's actually the hospitality sector that is really driving a lot of the employment um, and that is mainly, I feel, due to the fact that we don't have as many migrant workers coming in um, as we have uh, previously because we haven't got our borders open. And what that means is that we've got, uh, you know, a lot of Australian jobs being created or jobs for Australians. Now, across the board, business confidence is is very high. Um, you know, this is uh, put out by uh, the Roy Morgan index, you can see there, um, and uh, business confidence is up, and that's right across the board. You can see across all of the, the uh, states, even, <laughs> and I've got to say even, um, uh, Victoria is up because uh, Victoria has, has obviously been smashed around the, the country the most. And I've got, you know, I've, if you listen to previous podcasts, you can, you can gauge my opinion on that, particularly their last state, gov state government um, uh, budget that they put out was pretty jolly poor, in my opinion, and could affect things in the long term for Victoria. Uh, but confidence is definitely back there, which is a good thing. 
Um, and you can see there, it, this goes across the small, the medium and the large businesses. It's confidence right across the board. It's not just one sector. It's not just the big boys going, yep, we're, you know, we've ridden this through. We're going to do well. Uh, it's confidence right across the board. Even NAB index came out and said that, uh, you know, confidence is up. Um, employment is up, which is great and uh, looks like going uh, even further. So something I'd like to uh, to finish off on with you guys, for, with you guys is what's the big idea to encourage tourism to the regional areas with big money being thrown at it? That's going to come as a bit of a surprise, and this is just a you know a bit of fun with you guys, but it's actually silo art. Now I've been tripping around as I said, and uh, one of the conversations that I had with um, with somebody just sitting at a bar was not that I sit at a bar a lot, but anyway, um, <laughs> was silo art and how uh, it's making a big resurgence and a lot of the the um, regional towns are offering a lot of money. I mean, even in last year's budget, I think there was $4.9 million offered for the uh, the Mallee art route uh, in Victoria and, uh, you know, the to, uh, to create a lot more silo art. So I've got a few pictures for you of some of the silo art around the place. Um, the uh, I said I did a little bit of painting myself and and uh, the guy I was talking to said oh you should put in a you know to for one of these grants to do silo art and I actually couldn't think of anything worse than trying to paint a solo I'm nowhere in that league I can tell you on that scale so just a bit of fun to, to finish off on I encourage you to take up one of those uh, 60 minute free breakthrough sessions um with one of my advisors and uh, all you got to do is go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash lock in there get your seat because uh, I know they're going to be very very valuable to you and uh, you know really set you on the right path to move forward and I do hope you're enjoying my weekly updates with everything that's going on by all means uh, feel free to write to me send me some information about what you'd like me to to cover off on I am an accountant I am an economist I am I've been a property investor for a very long time and uh, been educating people on how to replace their income and build sizable portfolios. So I got a fair repertoire of things that I can I can help you with there. But this is where it starts. It starts with the the free breakthrough sessions there with one of my advisors. Jump on there. I love realestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and I will be back to talk to you very very soon. In fact, next week um, I'll be back again to talk to you about um, where the economy's at and what's happening and how we can take advantage of it. I think uh, I think by next week I might even be in a different destination with a you know in a in a boat place. So I'll uh, I'll let you know where I am. Bye for now.